those of you who know me know that I'm uh, a little scattered by nature, am I not? And uh, to say the least, in fact, I remember Don one time uh, teasing me in front of some other guys. He got a good one on me. He couldn't figure out how I, I headed north and even hit Canada to even get here in the first place, you know, because I don't have a good sense of, of, of direction. Uh, but, and so you're notice, I'm noticing that I'm wearing the same thing, that I'm wearing the same thing I did, did last night. Well, I'm not so poor, I don't have a change of clothes, but what happened is kind of like a preacher who one time showed up in, in Moose Jaw only, and, and his clothes didn't follow it in the airport. Well, in my case, they followed. You know, it wasn't, that's not why I've got the same clothes on, but just simply because I left them at Eva's. So, so, <laughs> so I guess things are about status quo, not, not that much has changed. Some things remain the same. But you know, there's some things about simple that are good. You know, I mean, uh, not, every, not everything that has to do with simplicity is a bad thing. In fact, some of those people who can take uh, complex things and turn them into simple things are some of the most, just, just incredibly, incredibly important people. And Jesus particularly was, was just that kind of being. He could make things simple. Now I went to a school, a Lutheran Theological Seminary in Saskatoon. The only reason I went there is because I wanted to teach at Western and to help out there. And I, it was amazing. I had to buy a dictionary of theological terms. They were always talking about soteriology and, uh, you know, Christocentric and uh, pneumatocentric, ecclesiocentric, and all, just all kinds of things. And then I got this book and started looking up some of the terms that they would, would have me look at. I thought, why, why do they have to call it that? This is the simplest thing in the world. What are they trying to do? Make something that's simple, make it look complex so that they are important, so that they feel as if they're important. And, and that's basically what the school looked like that I went to. But they, there's another school I went to, Whitesbury Road School of Preaching. And I loved it. Now, this is even a fancier building they had back in the good old days. This was back when... The Duck Dynasty people who went there, we didn't even know they were Duck Dynasty people. They're just ordinary people, you know, but that's where, where some of them went to school and, and that's where they went to church. And one of the, the neat things about the School of Preaching experience is that, that they would take the most complex things that you could imagine and make them simple enough that us students who were just getting started could understand. And not only that, the material that went into those notes, you could carry those notes right into the church and use them. I don't think I got anything at the Lutheran Theological Seminary that you could take out of a class and take it here and use it without you guys thinking that I'd slipped a disc or something. I was worse off than usual or something. But uh, I like simplicity, and I know you do too. And I'm hoping in the spirit of that, that, that that's what this lesson is going to be. You probably looked at the sheet if you have it before you and say, I probably know, what, know this whole sermon already. And, and, that's, and that's good enough. That's just how simple it is. Because this is the way Jesus put it together. There's no reason to mess up what Jesus did. Just leave it as simple as the way that he put it. Because he knew what he was doing. The Holy Spirit was involved. And this is just the way it lays out within the biblical text. We want it, we want it to be simple. Jesus was so simple, you could understand what he had to say. I, I was noticing little girls playing here uh, just a little bit earlier, and I am quite sure if you sat Jesus down right there, it's running through my mind, of course, this sermon a little bit too, and I, I thought, those kids sitting right there, I mean, Jesus sitting right there, those kids, you know what they'd be doing? They'd be crawling all over him. They'd be sitting in his lap. They'd just be, because Jesus, even the little children, you know, he, they would come to him 
because they could understand what he's saying. Jesus would say things like, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We can understand that. It's a no-brainer. Not only did... Not only could even little children and and children of God like us understand Jesus' words, we could understand his emotions, his feelings, and the way he felt. The shortest verse in the English Bible would be John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. You could look in the face of Jesus and know how he felt about you, how he felt about people, what was way down deep inside his heart. Simplicity can be such a good thing. It really can. It can be so profound. And that's what's going to happen, I hope, in in this lesson, that I don't get in the way of the simplicity of Jesus. Because Jesus wants you to be blessed. That's the theme of the Sermon on the Mount. He wants you to have the big blessings. He wants you to pray the big prayers and say, I don't want to be as rich as Bill Gates. I want to be as rich as God. And not in this life, but in eternity. That's what God wants you to have. But there are things that just get in your way. And the one thing that gets in your way is worry. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, after talking about wanting to bless you in chapter 5, in chapter 6, he knew that what would be trouble for you to, to really be able to be blessed is that you're probably going to worry yourself sick so many times. Now I want to point out to you really quick that it's not a bad thing to be worried a little bit. But what we're talking about is this kind of dehabilitating worry that just takes the absolute joy out of life and just ruins you. Listen to Jesus as if he is speaking to you. Because when you read God's word, he is. He's speaking to you. I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more, or worth much more than they? And who are, uh, once again, he's staying on, on the same thing. You are worth so much to God. You're worth so much to Him. He he wants you to be like Him. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to His life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these." Jesus, if you're reading that really closely enough, you notice there are at least three things there that Jesus mentions that we have a way of worrying about. We worry about things like the, the clothing that we're going to wear, and, and, you know, I might as well not worry about it. You, you might, you know, what happens is what happens. But anyway, uh, we have so much clothes, it's hard to believe. And you probably are thinking, well, if you have, have so many clothes, why did you wear those? But anyway... <laughs> But we have so much in this world, it's incredible. It's just incredible. We're just blessed with so much. And yet that's just the kind of things. Let me remind you, though, Jesus was mentioning things. In those days, if you had two changes of clothing, if you had your work clothes and your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, so to speak, that was about all they would have had 2,000 years ago. And some of them only had one you know, thing that they could wear, and that would be it. And look at us today, all the things that we have. Why would we worry about these things? And yet we worry about things like that. 
We certainly don't need to worry about the food that we eat. I, you know, you can tell we, we're pretty well taken care of in our part of the world, too. And in fact, you can almost always tell who's on welfare in my part of the world because they're real well-fed. They really are. That's just, that's just the way it is. And yet people probably worry about that. Now, I remember being here. In fact, uh, uh, who was it? Some, one of you said something about you. When you're here, you were talking about you probably wouldn't live that long because I have so many people in my family that died young. Yeah, just really like uh, a grandfather, a grandmother around the age of 50, my father around 50, my brother, 38 years old. And so I just kind of got myself ready that that's the way it was going to be. But here I am at 67 years old, folks, and I'm feeling pretty good. I really am. You know, the Lord's blessed me so much, it's, it's just hard to believe. But I feel a little bit like Mickey Mantle when he said, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but the Lord has blessed us. But why do we worry about that? Jesus talked about that. And worrying about it will not add even one more second to your life, Jesus says. Now, you don't, might not worry about those things. Those were things that were the very stuff. I mean, people who only lived to be 40 years old on the average back in Jesus' day because of all kinds of sickness and war and things like that. These are the kind of things that they would have worried about. You probably worry about other things. You worry about your children. You worry about, but, you know, who knows what it is. I understand women, by the way, worry more than men. And, in fact, they had a doctor, when I was getting ready for this to come up here, they had a doctor on TV talking about it. They showed pictures of a woman's brain and a man's brain, and, and, and they gave them both this, this bad stuff that they should be worried about, and the woman's brain just lit up like a, like a Christmas tree, and the, and, the, and the man's brain just lit up this one little spot over there. I mean, she was singing the blues, and he was over there singing, you know, countdown races, you know, doo-dah, doo-dah. I mean, it wasn't bothering him at all, you know. And, and they explained that women probably are wired to have to be like Donna and take care of me and make sure that, you know, I get on the plane at the right time, that sort of, that sort of thing. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I want to take you ladies off the hook. God wired you that way. I am not talking about that. Sometimes sermons can do more harm than good because you kind of overcook something. Jesus is not talking about caring about people. He's not. He's talking about that kind of worry that steals your joy, that takes away the blessedness that he wants you to have way down deep in your heart. And to tell you the truth, sometimes the kind of worries that the world calls worries you know, I just Wayne was talking about that one time years ago and said, said I don't worry, but I ponder a lot. I, I saw him and it just, just <laughs> I ponder things a lot. Things pop into your mind when you, when you look at, into the faces of people like this. You know, I, I'm just reminded of so many different things that get, get me off a little bit. But that kind of worrying is, is, is not a bad thing. To ponder things you care about is not what we're talking about. But he doesn't want you destroying yourself with things. People worry about some of the silliest things, like the man who, who worried that since he had artificial legs, that they would bury him in a casket that was short instead of the full length. My mother, you know, towards the end, oh, you know, the casket would cost more money to make a short one, I bet, because they don't even come in that size. I don't know what he was thinking. But people worry about so many strange things. Things that will never, ever happen. 
I think the best thing we can do is do what we're doing is laugh about it a little bit. Irma Bombeck, if you, you remember the humor of her from times past, she wrote in a book, I'm always I've always worried a lot and frankly, I'm good at it. I worry about introducing people and going blank when I get to my mother. I worry about a shortage of ball bearings. A snake coming up through the kitchen sink. I've worried about it coming out of the toilet, but not the sink. I worry about getting into the Guinness World Book of Records under pregnancy, oldest recorded birth. I worry what the dog thinks when he sees me coming out of the shower. That one of my children will marry an Eskimo who will set me adrift on an iceberg when I can no longer feed myself. And I worry about scientists discovering someday that lettuce has been fattening all along. <laughs> now, when you think about some of the things that you've worried about, including that I worried when I was here that I probably wouldn't live that long and I wouldn't get my kids raised, and this, that, and the other. I, in fact, I remember having an operation one time, just a simple hernia operation is all it was, but I had this awful thing in my mind. I thought, I'm gonna leave Donna with these two little toe-headed kids. They'll be alone, and, and I think there's scratch marks down the wall when they took me to, down to, the, to be operated on. It was that way in my mind, anyway. It wasn't quite that bad, but, but we worry about things that sometimes, well, they just don't happen. The statistics are against whatever you're worrying about, it's probably not going to happen. And some of the things are prob that you worry about are probably about as silly as, as some of this and some of the things that I've worried about. Now, Jesus wants you to overcome that, but how can you do that? Because simply telling you, I could say, okay, Jesus is so far what he said is, you stop that worrying. Stop. Don't you worry. If you just do it that way, you're already thinking about the stuff you're not supposed to be worrying about. I've made matters worse. And so Jesus doesn't want to make matters worse. In simplicity, he wants to lay out for you what you can do to overcome worry, to displace the worry and bring something else in its place. And this is what you need to do. You need to just simply, here's the good doctor's prescription for you to take home tonight. Remember and forget. Remember and forget. Those two things. Number one, so this is a two-point sermon. For those of you who think I can only do three points, this is just two points. The first one is to remember God, to remember God. Jesus said, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he, God, not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing for the Gentiles, eagerly seek all these things? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God, God, He who is God, the heavenly Father, it all has to do with focusing on God instead of focusing on yourself. When you start worrying about something, you have forgotten to pray. You have forgotten to talk to God. You should do what I heard a preacher say he did one time. He said, I was worried about something, worrying myself sick. I said, I, he couldn't even sleep. And he just, that night he said, I just prayed to God. and said, God, you take care of this. You're up all night anyway. You know, you just, and so, and he went to bed and slept. See, that's what we're talking about here. Those people sometimes, I, I like a little sarcasm. Uh, I have to admit, and this has a little sarcasm in it, this poem. There was a young lady from Ride who was carried away by the tide. A man-eating shark was heard to remark, 
I knew the Lord would provide. I don't know. I just, I just like that. You know, it's a little bit. And so the Lord's going to provide for the sharks and the birds and everything else. He's going to provide for you. And, and at first you say, but he didn't provide for the lady from Bride, did he? But what if she's a Christian? If she's a Christian, he really did provide. She got to go home early, a quicker ticket home. That's what she got. And folks, from God's perspective and from our perspective, when we look at the big blessings, she would have been the winner then, not the loser. And he provided in the shark, for the shark at the same time. But maybe you'll, maybe you'll like this poem better. Said, and you probably heard this one. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Whoever wrote that obviously was, stu was studying the very passage that, uh, that we're looking at. We need to, any time when you find yourself, this is the good, uh, the good doctor's prescription for you. Start out by remembering God. When you're worried about something, and I know you are, because there's always things for you to worry about, and I found out that the older you get, and the more you care for people that you love, sometimes you have that mo that those, more of those things that you ponder about, don't you, that you ponder. But don't let them rob your joy. Turn it over to the Lord. He has big shoulders. He can handle it. Don't forget God. Remember God. And then you need to do the second thing that the good doctor Jesus tells you to do. You need to forget all about the future. You can't do anything about it anyway. You just can't. Just forget the future. Because it's all in God's hands. Jesus put it this way. So do not worry about tomorrow. Now that you can do. That's a commandment you can keep. You can just, instead of thinking about tomorrow, just think about what you have to do right now. Just keep your mind on now instead of that. Anytime your mind wants to race over, uh, towards something that you can't handle, just think about what you can do this very day. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That, without a doubt, those people who, who started Alcoholics Anonymous gave credit to the scriptures that that's where they got the principles, and no doubt that's where they got one of the strongest principles that they have to be able to help people overcome alcoholism, and that is one day at a time. Just one day at a time. That is so powerful. I remember being at Western, and uh, because of a situation that occurred, I found myself... Not only, and this is my first year teaching. I didn't even know what I was doing in my own courses in my own, in, for that year. And then all of a sudden, because of a situation that occurred, I found myself not only teaching my courses, but another prof's course, another teacher's courses. And so uh, people were running around saying, you know, how are you holding up? You know, that sort of thing. And I, I just kind of made a joke out of it and said, never has so much been done by so little. You know, <laughs> so and that's about all I could do. But I'll tell you what really helped me was, was something that Vince Anderson told me. He said, you got, you're going to have to get a daytimer. He was, and he just showed an example of, of how it worked and how to organize things. And, and really, the daytimer system basically can be summarized in one day at a time. Don't worry about, and you know how my mind can go 20 directions at the same time, if you know, know me at all. But if you just focus on, okay, let's focus down here, just focus this one thing, it was so powerful, I, of all things, because I'm a little obsessive compulsive, well, maybe a lot. And, and so because of that, I became obsessive compulsive about just one day at a time. 
And I found out teachers who should have been able to keep up with it, including the principal, who should have been keep, able to keep up with their own schedule better and so on, would say one did particularly, said to me, when I'm supposed to be at these meetings, just when you come by, knock on my door. Can you imagine I'm the one that's reminding other people <laughs> where they're supposed to be? But that is such a powerful concept. Just take one day at a time. It's powerful. And Jesus is the one who gave us that advice. You don't worry. Don't worry about a million days to come. The al alcoholics are told, don't worry about staying sober for 100 years. If you thought about that, you'll go nuts. You'll be drunk tonight. Just say, today I'm not going to drink. Then tomorrow, today I'm not going to drink. And, it just, and you're able to take it just one day. It's a powerful thing. And it will overcome worry in your life. Just take one day at a time. One day at a time. Simple enough, isn't it? Simple enough. There is sandwich. I don't know if you, if you, sometimes when you look at things like this, instead of in your Bible, you are shortchanged in one way. When you're looking at the Bible, you'll notice that I'm preaching for, on, on, on the text where Jesus says, remember God. And then I jump to a verse in verse 34, and, and it talks about then uh, to forget the future. And you, if you were looking at the text, you'd say, well, Hugh, what are you going to do with that verse in the middle there? Well, see, that verse in the middle is transitional. It points to the first point, and then it points to the next point, and in that way it becomes a summary of both points, making it this even simpler for us to remember by saying, I want to remember this, because can you imagine how much good this would do you, health-wise, spiritually, and everything, to just overcome some of the worries in your life. What a blessing it would be to you. And so it needs to be simple. It needs to be something that you can remember when you leave here so you can practice it. And so in verse 33, Jesus simply said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A part of my theme was also to present the gospel, and at this time the gospel hadn't occurred. But let me remind you that everything that, that happens in the, in the Bible was getting ready and pro pro prophesying the coming of the gospel. It's so wrapped up that it's just, it's just everywhere, just everywhere. We are to then remember, we can look at it this way, remember God and then forget these things. See, this is, this is a transitional verse pointing back to the first one and then pointing forward to verse 34, which is coming after it. Forget these things which shall be added unto you, but look at how it fits together theologically, doctrinally, whichever you, want to, whichever you want to call it. We are supposed to remember and forget. And I've got it color-coded on purpose so that you can notice how this works. Seek you first the kingdom of God. That's justification. And his righteousness, doing the right thing, doing the holy thing. That's sanctification, as Paul would call it in, in Romans or Ephesians. And then all these things, don't worry about them, these things in the future, God will take care of you. God will take care of that. Not only in your future will he glorify you, but in, your, in, the, in eternity he will glorify you. Once again, you see where the heart of Jesus is. It's right square in the middle of the gospel. It's the gospel that blesses us, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, as it's seen in all three of these words. But remember and forget. I, I don't want to, if you're not the kind of person who's into analytical thinking, some of you are, I know you are, and some of you aren't, 
You're not, forget this part, because what you need to remember more than anything else is that this is in the heart of Jesus. He really wants to bless you with this. This is a series of sermons on the, on the mount, and he put it together in a different form uh, in the book of Luke that we read about, the sermons on the, sermons on the plain. And he, he, he just, it must have taken a lot of time for him to work his way through that wonderful material to bless the people that he loves like us so much. And he wants you to remember, he does, with all of his heart, Jesus wants you to remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. Sing it with me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, singing hallelujah, hallelujah. It, that's an easy song to sing. And so if I were you, and if I were me, I need this worse than you do, if, if anything. We need to fall asleep tonight with that verse in our hearts, with that song in our hearts. And any time you find, this is, this is the best doctor you can ever imagine. That's Jesus the Christ, who loves you more than you can ever imagine, who wants you to, to never be so worried that, that, that the blessedness of living this life is taken away. Just let those words from Him flow through your mind. Let's pray, pray about it. Father, we pray that we will be so free from that debilitating type of worry that people will see in our lives something different that we have and want to know why that we have such joy, such blessedness. Help us, Father, to be people who seek first your kingdom to obey the gospel and then your righteousness to live the life of saints and then just put our future glory in your hands knowing that you'll take care of our future through infinity forever and ever. Give us this faith, Father. Help us take this advice from your only beloved Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.